0: the uh, Sunday school teacher that was carefully explaining that the best she could, the story about Elijah and the prophets and the false prophets of Baal. She explained how that Elijah built an altar and put wood on it. And then he killed the animal and spread it all over the, the wood. and And then he said to the Servants to go out and fill barrels, four barrels of water, and pour over the altar. And then she paused for a moment and said to the children, "Now, can anyone in the class tell me why the Lord had Elijah pour water over top of that wooden altar?" And all of that. And one little girl, all excited, said, "I know! I know! I know! They wanted to make gravy." Only children, you know, they just know. Uh, Before I leave here, Dick, I need to get some of your stories. I tell you, I like them. Uh, Sometimes he tells some that I already knew. (laughs) I I hope we don't repeat one another, but that's okay, that's okay. It's good to hear. If it's good to hear once, it's good to hear twice, you know. It's good to hear once in a while. I want to share with you this morning probably somewhat of a concern that I have uh, for the church and for what we are seeing in our day and age. and I want to talk about the future of the church. Now, I'm not talking about the building. I'm not talking about the land. I'm not even talking about the program. I'm talking about the future of God's church. And I think that the, the thing that we miss so many times that I see within the church over the years, and I've, I've been around a few years, not too many, but a few, And I've seen them up and down. I've seen a lot of things happen. And I guess I'm concerned about the future of the church depends upon our teaching, our sharing, allowing the Spirit to work, and especially in the life of our children and youth. The reason why that you have gone for over a year looking for a pastor is because there's more of us retiring and quitting that are coming in. There are fewer and fewer of our youth that are going to Bible college. There are fewer and fewer of our youth that are, that are searching out the will of God for their life because they don't even know that there is a will because sometimes they haven't been taught. And so I want to share with you a couple of Scriptures that I find in the Scriptures. In Deuteronomy, and I'm going to hit a couple of them, but in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says these words, and these words came, you've got to remember that these words came Uh, after you know the Israelites were ready to go into Canaan. And before they did, Moses wanted to remind them of their history. He wanted to remind them that God had all he had done for them and the laws that he had continued, and he wanted their chosen people to follow. And so chapter four, verse number nine says, He said, Be careful, watch yourselves closely that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen and let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day that I stood before the Lord and your God at Horeb when He said to me, Assemble the people before Me and hear My words so that they may learn and revere Me as long as they live in this land and may teach them unto their children. Now there's a reason why that He said those words. And I thought about the Bible says in Proverbs, and we use it quite often, in Proverbs over in the 22nd chapter, It says in verse number six, train a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, it will not, he will return to it. And so I think the reason why that we have so many people today that are, that don't know the word, they don't realize, children don't realize that God has called them and has placed him in this earth for a special reason. Now Jesus thought children were important. And I know there are many people today, a lot of times, we want to put the kids back. We want to put them off. You know, I'm would. i more thrilled, I have to admit, I'm more thrilled at the door on Sunday morning of these little guys coming up to me and wanting to hug me, wanting me to talk to them, wanting me to say something to them, wanting to hear something that I've said or some silly thing that I may do with them than I am of the adults. Because I know that if I can get those children to listen, they'll understand and they'll follow as we have followed. And you know, it's very biblical when somebody says to me, well, that little fellow wanted to wear a necktie and he wanted to wear a jacket. He wanted to wear uh, fancy shoes to church because he wanted to be like the preacher. That's not all bad. Because we see, if they can mimic what we do at that age, they'll grow up wanting to become something more than what they have been coming up with. And so Jesus said in Mark the ninth chapter, and that's where my text comes from, or the 10th chapter rather, in Mark the 10th chapter, Jesus said these words in chapter 10 starting at verse 13. People were bringing... Little children to Jesus and having them touch Him. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was indignant. He said to them, Let the children come unto Me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you a truth, anyone who will not receive children into the kingdom of God is like a child will never enter. And He and He took the children in His arms and put His hands on them and He blessed them. Now I know we use that Scripture a lot in children dedication because that's what we believe the Bible teaches. The Bible doesn't teach children baptism. It teaches children dedication where Jesus brought them and Jesus put His hands upon them and He prayed a blessing upon them and on upon their lives. And so when I begin to think about that, I'm I'm concerned today of the slow deterioration of children in our churches. I mean slow deterioration of of, of, of the of the primary church, of the of the junior church, of the youth camps, of the friendship clubs. And it simply petrifies me when I begin to think that there are so many of these kids that are everywhere else but in church. You see, I pastored long enough to know that there's been many times in the towns where I pastored Sometimes to give a fresh update on Sunday morning to the folks of the sick that are in the hospitals. Many a times I would leave early in the morning after I got ready for church and before I went to the church, I would run by the hospital. And many times when I would go by the hospital at 7 o'clock in the morning, I would see to 75 to 100 kids out here kicking a ball around in the field. And I begin to question about that. And they said, well, you don't understand, preacher. There's so many kids that want to play, play this kickball that they want to play this soccer that there's not enough field time. And so we have to do it all the time. And so they, they run all day Saturday. They run all day Sunday. And I wonder how many of those children are ever in church where they ever receive any kind of instructions of any kind. You know why it concerns me? Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing. Children will never have faith if they don't hear. If they don't hear what the Word says. Faith comes hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that's exactly what the book of Deuteronomy was talking about. He said, help them to see what God's doing. Show them, tell them about how God has raised people up, how God has saved people, how God has healed people. Let the children see this and they themselves will learn from it. And so the sanctity, I believe, of the pulpit and the Word and the uh, today must be reaffirmed in today's generation of children or we will die spiritually, all of us. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. The sad and very tragic reality is that we are never more than one generation away from, from losing the message of the church of God. We are only one generation away. If we don't teach those children and they don't know the message, my friend, it will be lost forever. Because you see, it only takes one generation to take them away. Let me tell you a story. A story that I've read that that just points home the point of what I'm talking about. It concerns the McKinley family in South Texas. McKinley family lived in South Texas. Their three-year-old Randy and his brothers and sisters and other youngsters in the neighborhood were playing out in the backyard into the field. And they got out so far that there was an old 55-gallon drum that had been sitting out there and the children were playing and they were bumping against it. And finally, they knocked it over. When they knocked it over, they accomplished what they wanted. So they just continued on for another game. They decided they'd go on further for a little game. And they got about 100 yards away and, and they were playing together. And all of a sudden, they begin to hear a screaming cry. Little Randy had fell into that well. That barrel was there to cover a well that had been abandoned. It was a well that was 300 foot deep. And down about 78 feet was where the water began to come in. And so they began to realize that they looked for him, and they heard the scream. They run back. By then, the mother had heard, and she began to run. And everybody was screaming, Randy, Randy, where are you? And he began to scream out as loud as he could down in that well. They could hear his voice, but they didn't know how they'd get him out. They had no idea how they would ever get him out of there. They were desperate for, for what they would do, but across the road from where this kids was playing, there was a team or a group of Mexican farmhands. They heard the commotion and they come running. And they, as they came running, they began to ask, and they said the, the little boy fell in the well. And there was a man, a farmer hand there, McGill who who was a fellow who took charge immediately. He said to his folks that was working with him, he said, take some wire, some ball, some wire and wrap it around my ankles, tie my feet together, and then take that rope and put it between my legs. And he said, I want you to lower me down head first into that well. He says, as they started lowering me down, as I started down in there, he says, my arms begin to get real tight, my shoulders in that, in that little hole, and I didn't think I could make it. He said, I thought at times that I would pass out. But he said, I knew that little boy was down there. I knew I had to do something to help. At least try to get him out. And he says, as they lowered me down, he said, I got down through the shoulders, got through the well, and it widened out. And as I started down, he said, they let me down. I kept saying, let me down, let me down, let me down. And as they let the rope loosened to let him go down, he said, he came to a place. He said, hold up. He said, I came to a place where the well had a divide in it. He didn't know which way to go. He said, I begin to pray, God, you've got to help me save this little boy. And he said he prayed for a few minutes and then he made up his mind that he would just go on down this side. And he started down the left side. And as he went down, he said, let me down. Let me down. Quick, I can hear the boy. He's having trouble breathing. He's having trouble. They must be in the water. And he says, as they let him down, he got down in there, and he said, there was that boy. He was down there just screaming. All he could do was keep his head above the water. Stuck in that well. He said, I reached my hands out and said to the little boy, he said, let me get your hands. Let me get a hold of you. Let me, let me pull you out. And as he got a hold of the boy, he hollered back and said, pull me up, pull me up, pull me up, quick! And he says, as they begin to pull, they couldn't get it. He was wedged. And he said, let loose for a little bit. And he let loose. He said his hands broke loose from the boy. And then finally he took the boy and locked hands again. And he said to those up there that was pulling the rope, pull me, pull me, pull me quick! He said finally they pulled and struggled and struggled until finally the little boy was let loose. And he began to bring him up. As soon as that little boy's head hit above the, 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 that well, and that, his mother, you can imagine, that mother run over there and grabbed that little boy and said, oh, 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 thank you, sir. Thank you, thank you. How can I ever thank you for what you've done to save the life of my son? The people that had gathered by that They'd be gathered around and they begin to realize that this farmhand wasn't being paid much. And so they took in the group of probably 75 people by then had gathered and they took up a collection of about $200. And they came to McGill and they said, we want to give you this for, for you risking your life to save little Randy. And he said, oh no, I could never take that. He said, I'm just a Christian. I'm a servant of Jesus Christ. And Christ allowed me to be across the field today in order to save the life of this little boy. I could never be paid for that. He said, I will not do it. He said, I just hope that if, I, if someday one of my three children are in that kind of predicament, there'll be somebody that'll be willing to risk their life to save my child. Oh, they were all happy about it. They were thrilled, but you know what is a great story? But you know what, I think it affects us all today. Do you realize that God is depending upon the church? He's depending on people that sit in these pews. He's depending on anybody that stands in this podium, my friend, to realize that there are children out there that needs to know the Gospel of Jesus Christ. They need to know that there's more to life than what we have here and now. And the only way we're going to reach them is when we risk ourselves to get out there and do something to help them. And I begin to think about that story. Begin to think about what, what a great story. What, what, what these words have bearing on all of us. Our Lord wants you and me as the church to rescue the little boys and the little girls and the children of the world. That's the reason why that years ago, you know, when we had those kinds of things where, where we would gather children in, we'd have special days, special weeks. What happened to the great Bible schools where you had to turn hardly, had to turn things away, turn things upside down because we had so many kids that wanted to come. They were having such a great time. And we have a great time around here. I've been here for Bible school. But you know what? what what's happening to our world today? What's happening to the fact of wanting to reach these? Remember the song, Jesus Loves the Little Children? All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. You know what? That includes the babies. And you know what? I have to admit, it really bothered me. It it was really gut-wrenching to listen to the news this week. When I hear people say, uh, you know, we—it's okay uh, to abort a baby. It's okay to, uh, you know, we're not cruel with it. Nowadays they say instead of sticking a needle in and killing the baby before it's born, they let it come out. They let it be born. We try to get it comfortable, and then we have a consultation with the doctor and the mother to see whether or not that child ought to live or not. Let me tell you something. Those people will burn in hell for that, because God loves the children. And the reason why we do not have pastors and missionaries and leaders in the church today, because many of them have been aborted. They've been aborted, the ones that God really wanted for them in the first place. And I thought about that. You know, Jesus said, let the little children come to Me. Let them be Mine. Bring them to Me. This is the commandment to us of the Lord. I believe that many are shrugging off the alarm at a... Uh, An alarming effect, my friend, of reaching children for Jesus Christ. This is why it's important. I want to give you just a few steps this morning. I believe, first of all, it's simple and logical conclusion that the future of the church depends on the faithfulness of bringing children and youth to Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, I travel around and places that I go, I look back and I... Not long ago, I had uh, uh, the privilege of going back to a place where I pastored. And and we were much younger then. and It was a thriving church and had a lot of young people. And they loved the Lord and they loved the church and they loved us. We had great times together. We'd play together. We'd watch cars together. But I'll tell you what, there was one time that at one point that we sent more kids to youth camp than any other church in the state. Because we believe that children needed to know about Jesus. They needed to sense the calling of God upon their lives. And I begin to think about those children that now, when we go back, and, and we find that I went back for a funeral is what I went for, and I found that this man and his wife that had come to the church through our ministry, and, and actually she came because she also, at late in life, was having her third child. The other two were already almost grown to teenager and older. And she had a new baby. She was discouraged. She was depressed. And I made the call at the hospital and I begin to visit them. And then I begin to talk to them about the Lord. And maybe the Lord had something special. And now going back to the funeral, the fellow that I was there the day that he slapped him and he cried his first cry, now is married and has two kids. That's telling a little bit on me, but but you know what? It's exciting to know that these children were taught. The church felt it important to make sure that these children knew we didn't stick them off in a corner somewhere. We had qualified people. I'm going to tell you something. We we laughed. My wife and I, you know, we look back now and we go to churches and we hear about having this youth pastor and about this children's minister and, and and you know these these people all on staff. You know what? This lady was on staff all of our ministry. I mean, everywhere she went, she had children to teach. She had youth to teach. She, she got involved with them, and that's the reason why those kids are in church. And I'm a believer today that that's where we're making our, where we're failing, because you see, as a church, we need to do all we can to reach children for Christ. Because believe me, I want to, I want to emphasize that in your head. We are only one generation away from losing What church is all about? Because you see, most people aren't even concerned about that. Listen, church, all Satan needs to do is to let us miss one generation. He knows that. All he has to do is make us lose one generation. Each succeeding generation is a link. A link from one to another. You break the link in a chain and it's useless. And so it's important that we make sure that we have... It makes no difference for people. I hear people say all the time, especially older people say, oh, I can remember. I, I, You know, I remember the Bible schools that I went to as a kid. And I remember all the songs that we sang and all the wonderful games that we played. All the things that I learned about the Bible. And many of them would say, well, you know what? I, I can remember going to the church and it was it was such a Bible-based church that, you know, our kids were given Bibles. Every kid in the church, if they didn't have one, we made sure they had one. And many of them, even in ours, we would order Bibles so they all had the same translation. They could all turn and read to it. Because, you see, we wanted to get the Bible into them. We knew that if we got that Bible into them, that the Proverbs was right. Train a child up in the way it should go, and when it is old, it will not depart from it. It didn't say he wouldn't depart or she wouldn't depart. It said it won't depart. The Word. What's in our hearts. But I wonder today, in today's generation, I'm concerned about the church. I'm concerned about the fact that we sometimes are not careful we're going to lose the next generation. We dare not let down the standards of the church. We don't let down the standards because everybody else is doing it, because everybody else is getting it. The Bible says that there, there, there there's a broad way. Where many go in at, it doesn't thrill me to hear people say, "Well, we have we have all these kids over here, but how many of them can name a book in the Bible? How many of them can name a scripture in the Bible? How many of them know about what personal conviction is? How many of them know about what it is to serve Jesus Christ?" You see, I've had some battles in the church through the years. We had a great group of kids, and we wanted to teach them about, you know, baptism—what it was all about. It wasn't about just getting in the water and splashing around. We wanted them to know what foot washing was all about, so we had foot washing. And then we wanted to know what tithing was all about. When I could begin to dig into the finances, somebody began to back off and said, well I think that's a waste of money to buy. I thought they were the neatest little things. He said, little, you know, women of the Church of God had them, penny a day things. I don't know why he gave them off. You couldn't get 30 pennies in them anyway. But, but you know, we, we got these little envelopes. And we gave them to all the kids and said, now, we want you to tithe. Now, if you get, if you get an allowance, if you go to the store for mom, if you cut the grass, if you shovel snow, whatever it is, you know, the 10, you know, the tithe is 10% of it. Put it in that envelope and when you come and the offering comes, you feel like you're a part of the church because you give it. You know what? Those kids learned that from that young age and today there's still the tithers in the church. You know why a lot of people don't understand that? Because we've not taught it to them. Children need to be taught. That's what he's talking about. The bottom line is, we are never more than one generation away from paganism. The future of the church, my friend, rests upon bringing children and youth, bringing them to a full knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ knew that. That's why He said, bring them to Me. But I'm going to tell you something. If we break that that link, we're going to lose that generation. And my friend, then all will be lost. But think with me for a moment. You know what? If we're, if we if we do not do something about it, these pews will be empty someday. Do you know what? I found this. Do you know something? If we don't bring new young people, if we don't bring youth, if we don't bring these young generations, these young mirrors, if we don't reach them for Christ, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The funeral director is going to empty the shoes. I pastored for 15 years in Bellefontaine, Ohio. I, I documented 121 funerals. That's more people than most of our churches have. But you know what? Because we were reaching young people, the church continued to replenish itself. That's what it's all about. You can't just let them all die off and, and then think you're going to have something and then try to figure out how we're going to get them back. My friend, you do it by, by keeping them motivated, keeping it going. You know, you know, we don't do it today, but years ago when I was a kid raised on a farm, my wife, her folks were farmers, and you know what? You didn't, you didn't, you didn't use all the corn. You didn't use all the beans. There was a certain amount of them that you cut off and dried them and used them to replant the next year. Because if you ate them all, you'd starve to death next year. But let me tell you, the same thing happens spiritually. You know what? If we don't replenish, if we don't do something to keep it going. And so I believe, my friend, that it will take a little while, but the the funeral home will get the job done. The sanctuary will become empty. It will become a museum of the past. But you know what? It doesn't have to be that way. Because I believe that our concern today and the concern that I have is, is reaching these young people for Jesus Christ. These, these folks, they're amazing all around here. These little, these, these young people and these kids, when I see them doing the things they're doing, I see them out here at this coffee nick, and I see them working, and I see them doing, I see them loving on one another, and, and, and being nice to one another, and children loving to be together, loving to come to church, and, and I watched when Cheryl had that up here the other week, I seen these little kids when they just, they, they were just trying to knock you down to get on this platform. Because they want to know, they want to hear, they're excited about hearing it. And what we need to do is not put them off somewhere where they don't hear it, but we need to be preaching it to them. We need to be telling. I'll never forget a few years ago, a camp meeting speaker was telling about a mountain town. He had never seen people more careless in a town, he said, than those folks were. He said when you drove into the town, he said the streets were full of potholes. The paint was all peeled off of the buildings. When you drove down, he said because of the potholes getting water in them and they'd hit them with the car, it would throw that dirty, filthy water all over the front store windows. And the windows would never clean. The things that was on display had been there so long, they were falling off. They were falling. They were rotting. And he said, I began to wonder what in the world. This town was a mess. And no one seemed to care. He said he began to question it. He said, when I began to question I found out that the town was in an area that eventually was going to be flooded. The folks in that town had already been paid for their property. They could stay as long as they wanted to stay because we're going to, we're going to flood this place, but you need to get out. You need to find something. And so some of them, because you know, they wanted to hold the money and they just stayed right there. Now they weren't going to paint their house because they knew we were going to tear it down. They weren't going to fix the potholes in the street because they knew they were going to tear the streets up. They weren't going to paint anything. They weren't going to fix anything up. Because they knew, they knew that that thing was going to be gone. And so, so, you know, why do all of this? Everything in life goes to pot when there's no tomorrow to look forward to. My friend, that's true of the church. The church, my friend, will lose its energy, it will lose its influence if we have nothing to look forward to. The thing that we look forward to is through life is, is that even in our churches, when we send kids off to college and they come home and they were going into ministry or they were going into missionary work, but when they came home, I wanted to hear what was going on in their hearts and their lives. I wanted them in that pulpit. I wanted them to share what God was doing in their life. Because you see, that made people look forward to the future. They knew that when we moved off of the stage, someone else was going to be there. You see, that's what it's all about. And so I begin to think about those children. The same is true spiritually of the church. Remove the hope of tomorrow and today becomes meaningless to us. I hope and pray that God will put an overwhelming, overwhelming sense of conviction upon our hearts concerning this matter of reaching children for God. What happened to the youth and the children of the churches in America? What what has happened Today. And when I ask that question to some folks, you know what they say? Oh, Brother Swagger, you don't understand why we've got hundreds and hundreds of people that come on Sunday morning. Oh, we have such a big crowd. But I wonder, is it really is it really doing its job when when we are aborting more children than we've ever had in this nation, and yet we claim we had the biggest church? When when we see that there are children that are drug out on drugs and alcohol in our communities to where it's 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 just a disaster to think that our children are involved in it. Why? Because somewhere we're missing the boat. Somewhere along the line, we're entertaining ourselves. We're making ourselves feel good. We're doing the things that makes everybody appeased. Let me tell you something. In going to church and learning from God, my friend, God disciplines us sometimes. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes what the preacher says hurts. Sometimes what the congregation says to the preacher hurts. But that's all part of the growing process. That makes us the people that we are. That makes us become what we are. Many people say our buildings are worth millions. But look around you at the broken homes, the drugs, the crime, the abortion racket. The church is struck out somewhere along the line. My friend, we need to reach our generation for Christ. That's, my friend, why it's important. That's the reason why it's important that we have qualified teachers and youth leaders and youth pastors and, and 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 pastors within the church that are able to reach people for Christ. Because no matter what we do in this building, if we're not changing hearts and lives, if we're not planting a seed within us, we might as well close the doors. You see, church, my friend, let's really be the church. You know, I, I went to preach at a banquet one time. And I went to a banquet and they had all kind of fun doing all these things. And finally the pastor said, well, he said, I, I think it's come to the time. I guess we ought to become like a church now. And preacher's preacher going to come and preach to us. That was the hardest thing in the world to get up and preach after all that was going on. But you know what? That's what we find in the world today. Most people don't want to be preached to. Let me, let me close with a story. There was a fire a number of years ago. Some of you have probably read it many, many times. It was in Eppler, England, years ago. The house of Susan and Samuel Wesley caught on fire. The Wesleys were like the Swaggers. They had a lot of kids. They had a lot of kids. And the house caught on fire and, and they began to wrestle around and get the kids out, get the kids out. That was the main thing they were concerned about. Get the kids out of the fire. And and the mother began, Susan began to look around and she found out that one of her children wasn't there. Little Johnny wasn't there. And she began to say, you got to find Johnny. Where's Johnny? He's still in the fire in the house. They began to look and pretty soon Johnny had been upstairs sleeping. He was awakened by all the commotion. But he didn't know how to get out because of the fire. He was standing in the window with tears screaming and he was waving. And they began to say, there's Johnny, he's in that upstairs window. There he is over there. And two men decided they would get up next to the house and one of them was lifted to the shoulders of the other and they reached out their arms and they grabbed little Johnny and they brought him down through a human ladder to the ground. And when I read that story, I thought, you know what? That's exactly what the church is to do. There are people, my friend. There are young people. There are children. There are men and women that are dying. They're in, they're on fire, my friend. They're gonna lose their life and lose their soul. But we need to be the human ladder. We need to be the vessel that reaches out to them. Those that are discouraged and put our arm around them. Those that are heavy in heart and be able to say, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. I've convinced myself of that. Everything I go through, I realize I've gone this far and it's got to get better. And you know what it does? It does because there's people like you who come around and say, I really appreciate you. I really love you. I really care about you. I'm so glad you care about me. You see, that's what it's all about. Children need to know that they're that they're cared for, that they're loved, that they're concerned for. And you know what? In the church, we need to put all of our energy. I tell I tell young preachers this all the time. If I was starting my ministry over, the first person before I'd hire a secretary, I'd want somebody to work with those kids. I'd want to instill within those kids. Let me tell you something. You you don't believe that? You look back. Years ago, there was a saying, and I've been around it and heard it from Catholic priests who said, you give me those kids for five years and they'll be Catholics the rest of their life. You know why? Because they put all their energy into them. They make them go through catechism. They make them learn. They make them do the thing. They don't just read it to them. They have them doing it. And I'm going to tell you something. It, it can be pretty tough sometimes when somebody's instilled all of that within a person. But you see, it's the church, that's what we ought to be doing. We ought to be instilling within them Why we come to the mill? Why we come over here on Sunday? Why we're here on Wednesday? Why we're here on Bible school? Why we're here for special things? Because, you see, we want to know what Jesus has to offer us. God is looking for people that will help rescue the John Wesleys. By the way, John Wesley that was rescued, he became the founder of the Methodist Church. It was because of his ministry, because of his life. It was because somebody was willing to, to reach out and save him from a burning home. Let me tell you something. There are young people today sitting right here that God has got His hand on your life. You need to be searching and asking God, Lord, what do you want me to prepare myself to be? What do you want me to be in life? What, what's, what's my goal? So many of us look around. You know what the problem is today? We don't, we don't think of it. We think of life as something that's going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. It's not in this world. And that's the reason why most parents and most people, I hear people say it all the time, oh, my son, my, my son's gonna, he, he's gonna go to college, he's, he's gonna become a doctor, and my daughter's gonna become a nurse, or somebody's gonna become, a, a, you know, something, a, a, an attorney, they're gonna be this, they're gonna be that. How many of them say, my son and my daughter is gonna be a missionary or a preacher? I have to admit, through the years I was, I was pretty embarrassed sometimes. Because I had a mom, <laughs> she thought I was the greatest guy in the world. I loved her for it, but sometimes I, I really want to say, "Mom, be quiet." You know what? I got the preaching, got the honest. We go somewhere in a restaurant. You know, <laughs> we go in a restaurant. Here comes this girl up to wait, wait on us. She says, "Uh, uh what well, can I can I take your drink order?" And she said before she even say that, she said, "This is my son. He's he's a minister." He's going to be a fool. He's going to be a pastor, like that girl care, you know. But my mom did, and and then you know what? She'd come back with the drinks, and pretty soon some other nurse, uh, some other waiter walked by, and she'd grab them because she went to that restaurant all the time. She'd say, "This is my son. He's going to be a preacher." And I just tell Beverly, I, I don't even want to go to the restaurant with him because they go to get the cook out of the kitchen. <laughs> you know why? Because She knew, she knew that somewhere along the line, God had gifted me with something and I obeyed His call. Now, all the other kids were great. I mean, they're all wonderful. i got a younger brother now that's in the ministry. Far better than I am. Man, he's, he's all over the world. Travels everywhere. i got a son in the ministry. I'm glad. You know why Jimmy's in ministry today? Because Jimmy got in ministry from the day he began to come into this world. Now, I'm going to quit believing, and I'm going to quit. But I remember the day that we heard our first child was going to be born. When the doctor says, "Beverly, you're expecting," we left that doctor's office. We went home and we knelt down beside the bed and we prayed and laid hands on that baby before it was born. Said God give him everything he needs. To be great for you. You know what? God answered that prayer. I mean, I, I'm, 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 I guess I'm bragging and I mean to brag. It's okay. I mean, He can sing. He can do a ritualism. He can teach. He can preach. He can do about everything except cut His grass. I'm telling you. And it's not because of what we did, it's what God did in Him because we loosened God to take Him and make Him something for Him. And I'll tell you something, when God puts that call on your life, there's nothing else you can do. I've had people say to me when, when May lost my son and I didn't know which direction I'd go, we lost him in death and we was really upset like everybody else was, we're human. And I thought I'll never be able to preach again, but what, but Lord, what will I do? I, you know, and then I began to figure out some things I knew how to do. I said, well, you know, I've painted houses before. I've done some carpentry work before. I've done a little bit of plumbing along the line. I, I began to think about all these things that I could keep us going with. And then I made a bargain with God. God, I'll go back to the pulpit one more time. If it don't work, I quit. And it worked. And I never quit. I hope to never quit. Because you see, when God calls... Let me tell you something. At 15 years of age, I was standing right where I'm at today. Young people, don't let anybody tell you you don't have something to say. When God puts something in your heart, my friend, don't be afraid to say it. Don't be afraid to live it. Because I'm going to tell you something. My mom and dad weren't Christian. When I was first started in ministry, my mom and dad nailed it an order because of my preaching. I had family members. First time I came back to our town to preach, one of the preachers said, you Come over and preach for me on Sunday morning. Absolutely. That's like saying to a hound dog, You want to go pheasant hunting? You know, yeah. Yeah, I want to preach. So I went over to preach, and you know what? I had all kinds of people. He said, We got all kinds of guests. I said, Yeah, they don't believe I'm going to preach. <laughs> you know? That's what it's all about. You see, when you allow God to work, you, you can't imagine what God will do in your life. So this morning, I, my concern is for the church. Let's put every bit of energy we can into these young people. Let's do everything we can to keep these children. And mom and dad, do everything you can to get them here. To make sure it happens. So that you can be proud like my mom was. And let them be embarrassed like I was. But you'll get through it. Amen? I'm going to ask this morning as we stand and sing a verse of song. I'm going to ask you as a congregation to pray for our young people and our kids. I want you to pray that God would lay His hand upon this congregation. You know, whatever where we've ever pastored, we've had people go into ministry because somewhere along the line, God got a hold of their heart and we encouraged it. And today, they're pastors and missionaries, evangelists. And God has some right here today, I believe, that are just looking for the open door, wanting to know. If you'll pray, God will help them to pray. And together, we can make this chain not be broken, but linked to carry this ministry on. Let's stand. Father, this morning, You know the hearts and the lives. Oh God, we pray for every young person in this building today. We ask, Lord, that Your anointing would be upon their lives. And Lord, that they would sense that You're speaking even to them this very day. Lord, helping them to know which direction to go and how to, to begin even now to want to serve You and know the Word and let it come a part of their lives and be able to share it with their other schoolmates, other friends. Father, we pray for our children they are even out of here today. We pray for the leaders that we know are teaching them Bible-based things that's important that they'll grow up with. Lord, help them today. Help us to be mindful, Lord, of what our calling is. Our calling is is not to put ourselves out there, but Lord, to put You out there that You might speak the hearts and lives of others. Father, we pray for our young people. We ask the Lord, may this be the day that they nail at an altar and say, God, I want You to use me in whatever manner that I can be used for Your kingdom. Father, we pray for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas and those that are here. Lord, that they would pray for our children as The saints prayed for us. And Lord, that one day that we'll be able to look back and say, I can remember the day I prayed that God would use them, and here they are. Father, speak to hearts and lives as we sing. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you come as we sing?